If you have your Bibles, uh, I invite you to turn to uh, Mark chapter 4. We'll be looking at Mark 4, verses uh, 1 through 20. And Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, grain growing up and increasing and yielding, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, this is a living parable. It is uh, being enacted right in our midst. And I pray that you would, by your spirit, give your people ears to hear and hearts to believe, I uh, pray that uh, your word would not fall upon deaf ears, but that it would indeed do what you have intended it to do, and that is to bear fruit that lasts now and unto eternity. And so as you do this, we pray uh, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I've asked Jimmy to... Um, put up this, well, Nate is doing it. So Nate, uh, Nate, can you put up this? All right. So some of you might not recognize this, but this is a, it's a, uh, a family crest or family shield. And we don't really do it in America right now, but uh, in the 11th century, 
this was popular, that, that your family, your family name would be on there somewhere and you would adorn it with other animals and colors and artifacts and you would pass something like this down to your children. And it would be a way in which you would communicate to your family after you things about your history, things that are important, things that have shaped your family of origin. Now, keep that image in mind because when I look at it, part of me feels like, man, that's kind of lame, right? Um, and the other part of me is like, okay, I, I get what, what, what this is after. And so I know you see these fictitious creatures and you see all these multiple colors, but, but the, using the color gold would uh, imply generosity, that using uh, the color white would imply peace, using the color red would imply sacrifice or death in combat, Using the color blue would uh, indicate truth and loyalty. You'd also see people put flowers or berries on there, and each of these berries have some, uh, a truth behind it that they want to communicate. You'll also see animals, and these animals were used to convey certain truths about the family. And so you might see a bear on there, and it would communicate strength and ferocity. You might see a dolphin, and it would communicate swiftness or an eagle is a person of noble nature, or a fox, one who will use all that she possesses for her own defense and so on. All right, that's enough, Nate, appreciate it. The question that I wanna put before you is if Jesus were to build a family crest, what do you think he put on it? What do you think he would say is important about his family? I think we know off the top that you would definitely see a cross on there because entrance into his family uh, could only happen through his death and resurrection. You'd see the color red sprinkled somewhere in there because you know that, that his uh, access into the family, it, it came at the cost of his own life. You'd see white symbolizing this purity, that this holiness of God. You may would see a, a picture of an earth symbolizing the new heavens and the new earth. But I want to make the case to you that you would also see an ear on there. Yeah, an ear. And I know it sounds unimpressive because we're thinking people, we're doing people, right? We want to go do something, go fix the world. We're feeling people. But Jesus says that a mark of being in his family is a hearing people. We're people who hear. Now, why am I saying that hearing is an important family practice this morning? Because if you were here last week, remember that scene? And I think it's important to frame the next few chapters in the book of Mark. You remember when Jesus's earthly mother and brothers were looking for him and they went to find him and he was in a house in Capernaum? And they sent word to Jesus, hey, Jesus, your brother and your mother, they're outside and they want you. What was Jesus's response then? He says, my family are right here with me. And it's those who do the will of God. And what were the persons inside the house of Jesus doing at that moment? They were sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, as opposed to being his family on the outside, trying to command him. 
And so notice what Jesus does. He stiff arms his earthly family and says, hey, my real family, they're in this house right now and they're doing what family members who follow me do. They're listening to the Messiah. And it makes perfect sense that right after that, I mean, that's the passage right before this passage, Jesus then in Mark's gospel goes and gives a parable about hearing. It's as if he's saying that that if you're going to be a follower of me, that what you will be known for is good listening and not just good listening, but God listening. That that's important. And I know we have thinkers and doers and feelers, but Jesus is is pushing us a little bit. He says, all of that hinges off of, but are you hearing? I know you want to go and do, but do you hear? I know you want to think about theology, but do you hear? I know you want to feel, but do you hear me? That that's the thrust of the passage, that this is an important family practice. That of hearing. Now, what I, I want to do is maybe think through this in three ways. The first thing I want to do is to, I think Jesus is taking us on a journey behind the veil. And what I mean by that, and, and as he takes us on this journey behind the veil, I think he is emphasizing the importance of hearing. Now, why am I saying he's going behind the veil Because hearing is really kind of passive. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here like right now and we're going to open the Bible and sit and listen, that that is that that can come across as as passive to a doer. It can come across as this isn't productive. I'm sitting down. There are a million things I need to be doing And Jesus says, no, we're taking you behind the veil. We're going to crack it open, and I want to show you how important hearing is. Now, I won't assume that we all know the Bible, but in case you don't, the Bible opens up with a God who speaks, who speaks everything into existence, and then a God who speaks to Adam and Eve and in his speaking to them and not at them. He spoke at creation, but he speaks to people with the intent that people will indeed listen to the voice of God. Think about the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, he is one. You will love him with your whole heart and soul and mind and strength. But did you notice how it began? It began with listen, listen, hear. What about when Jesus is on the mountain of transfiguration later in Mark? Did you hear what the father says? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then he says, listen to him. We could be here all morning showing you that God does command great and grand things in the Bible. But one of the things that he commands over and over and over again is that we would be a listening people. Now, here's what's beautiful about the Lord. He requires that, but then doesn't he also give us that ability? Think about your ear, your outer ear at this moment is taking the sound of my voice and it's gathering it. And your middle ear 
is amplifying it. And it's going to your inner ear where there is a tympanic membrane that is shooting stuff up your brain stem into the medulla of your brain so that, that, that there is a short gap between what I'm saying and what you're hearing. It's all happening like that because God gave us ears. You get that? And this passage, it is about hearing. We were created not to just hear sounds of babies crying or voices or laughter or music playing or birds singing. But do you want to know the ultimate reason of your hearing? It is that you would hear the voice of God. We waste our lives and we waste our hearing if we hear the coldest, sickest verse of your favorite rapper. If you go to Carnegie Hall and hear the most beautiful voices ever sang, if you hear Mozart play on a piano, do you know it's a waste of your hearing if you hear good things and you never hear the ultimate thing? And that is the voice of God to you. God made us to hear so that we will ultimately hear him. And this is a parable about hearing. So, so what, this is a long passage. I, I think we can frame it in two ways. Verses 1 through 9 is the parable itself. And verses 14 through 20, Jesus gives the explanation of the parable. But notice the first word in verse 3. It's listen. You see that? In the Greek, it's imperative, which means it's a commandment. Before Jesus utters a word, because this is God speaking, it's so many people around Jesus, and they did not have this microphone I have that amplifies sound. And so Jesus goes onto a boat, onto a sea, and he preaches, and he lets nature carry his voice because there are thousands of people around him. He's teaching, and notice the first thing he says is he commands us to listen. He said, hey, heed my voice, pay attention, lock in on me. And then he gives a parable. And this is nothing more than something he's taking from life, this physical earthly life, and he's pointing us to a spiritual reality. And so Jesus tells this story of a sower, a farmer who goes out to sow seed. And so the farmer sows seed and some of the seed falls on the wayside and, and then birds come and they swoop the seeds up so that the seed does not go into the ground. And the second seed, it, it falls where there are thorns and briars and thistles and weeds, and these weeds choke the seed out, right? And then there's this other passage where it falls upon rocky soil that on the surface, it looks like the seed has a chance, but there are rocks in the soil. And so the, it, the, the roots go down, but then when the sun comes, it burns the plant up because the soil isn't rich. Now, if I'm a farmer, those are really bad odds. You mean to tell me that, that the birds took it, that there was rocks in the soil, and the weeds choked it out? Like, man, if I'm a farmer, I'm like, man, I have no yield. And then Jesus says, but wait a minute, there's a, a, a last-ditch effort by the sower. He sows some seed, and it lands on good soil, and the seed blossoms, and it bears fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. Now, here's the thing. That's the story 
But did you know this passage isn't really about a sower? It's not about a farmer. It's about a preacher. It's about Jesus who was preaching right then and there. And the seed in the parable is the word. And that's what Jesus says in our passage. Notice what he says in verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are along the path where the word is sowing. And so the, 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 the seed in the passage is the word. The word is falling. And guess what? It's not falling on real dirt. It's a passage about hearing. How are people hearing the word that is being proclaimed? How do we know this is a passage about hearing? Verse 12, although they hear, they may hear but not understand. Verse 14, whenever they hear. Verse 16, as soon as they hear. Verse 18, they are those who hear the word. Verse 20, they hear the word and receive it. It's a parable about a speaking God and a people that are supposed to be hearing. Now, we know this. Faith comes by what? And hearing the word of God. You know that. That if you want to share the gospel with your homeboy or your homegirl, guess what? They have to what? They have to hear it. If we're going to grow in grace, you're not going to grow and look more like Jesus just staying in your feelings. The only way you grow in grace is by hearing the word of God. Think about missionaries who go overseas, you know what the difference between a missionary and a tourist is? A tourist can go and eat foreign food and learn a foreign land and dig into foreign culture. Missionaries do that. But what makes a missionary different from a tourist is the fact that their work has to be connected to people hearing the word. And did you know that some of us, through our rebellion against Jesus, On the day of judgment, the words you hear from Jesus will be the scariest words you will ever hear, and they will be your last words you ever hear. Jesus says, all men and women and children will stand before me. And he says, on that day, there will be some who hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. On that day, some will hear, you are summoned to the place reserved for Satan and his demons in the lake of eternal fire. And the, that is the last voice you will hear. And for eternity, you will hear weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's in the Bible. And on that same day, some of us will not hear that. We will hear the opposite. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Come into the place prepared for you before the foundations of the world. You will hear it 
from the mouth of Jesus, and those will be the second most important words your ears ever hear. And why do I say the second most important words your ears ever hear? Because the first and most important words your ears will ever hear is the free grace and free pardon announced to you in Jesus your sins are forgiven. And I know at times that feels really small, but trust me, on that day when you meet your Savior, that will be the sweetest sound in your ear. You will hear it, and your eternity will be marked forever with hearing the word of Jesus. What Jesus is doing in this parable is emphasizing again the importance of hearing, and trust me, I know you love to hear the laughter of your babies. I know you love to hear the applause when your little girl performs on a stage. I know you love to hear your surround sound system in Dolby 5.1 when your favorite team scores a touchdown. I know it sounds good, and I know you follow certain rappers, and you love sick freestyles, but I'm telling you, it is a waste of your hearing if you never hear the truth. It's a waste. Jesus takes us behind the veil. This is important. The second thing I think Jesus does is he takes us on a journey into the heart. And the case I want to make to you, and I want you to look at me, It is impossible, and I do mean impossible, for humans in and of our own strength to render the type of hearing that God is after. You can't do it, and you aren't smart enough, and you aren't wise enough, and you aren't holy enough to do the type of hearing that God requires and, and so, so stay with me here because I want to show you in the passage. Think about it. There, would you agree that on a, a purely physical realm that there is a difference between hearing and listening? Right? You can hear a lot of stuff. I'm talking about my household. I'm trying to help with homework. And I got the news on in the background. And the dog is barking and my neighbor's knocking on the door because the dog is barking. And we got food on the oven that we're going to burn up, right? It is auditory overload. Now, I'm in the moment, like I'm there, and we're moving from place to place. But am I really, really, really engaged with my every fabric of my being? No. And that's why the the, the neighbor gets frustrated because it takes me too long to get to the door. That's why the kids are frustrated because they've asked daddy the same thing five times. That's why the food is burning up because I'm present, but I'm not there. You get it? Would it not be true on the spiritual plane that it's possible to hear? but to not listen. You see, the hearing that God is after is not a blanket hearing. It's a hearing of the word 
that does not just go from the outer ear, middle ear, inner ear, tympanic membrane, up the, up the brainstem to the medulla. The hearing that God is after is not traveling one place. It's traveling two places. It's going to the mind, but it's going deep inside of the heart where it's impacting every fabric of who we are. That that is the hearing. Do not make the mistake that simply hearing the word means that we're really, really listening to the word. And that's what Jesus is after in this passage. And he says it in verse 12. Look at what he says in verse 12. He actually says that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand. You see what Jesus is saying? It is possible to see and to still be blind. It's possible to hear and still. Why? Because the hearing is not going two places. It's just going here. And I think what Jesus is doing in the passage is saying it is possible For your mind to be with me, but your heart is on the other side of town. You messing me around. Some of y'all old enough and y'all know the song, right? That's what he's saying. It's possible to be here and to not be here. Now, what I think Jesus is doing is actually showing us the impossibility And it is a divine grace. It is gracious of him. He's not. See, so so don't get confused about the three soils. The three soils all have the same effect. The word is sown and there is no fruit. So whether it's rocky or birds or thorns, it doesn't matter. The end goal is the same. I think what Jesus is actually doing is making the case and the statement, it's not just that we can't listen as God intends on our own, but he's actually showing us the three reasons why you can't and why we can't. And so if you're trying to make a correlation in the passage, the physical image in verse 4, it is the spiritual reality in verse 15. That one reason we can't hear and listen to the word as God intends is because someone is at work snatching the word so that it does not take root. There's a park in New York that we like to go to whenever we get a chance to go. And we like Central Park, but there's also a park on Washington Square. And that's a place where you go if you want to, if you think you can play chess and you want to go play like these other dudes who will not play you unless you got 5 to $20 to play you, and they will beat you in like two minutes, and they will sit there. I mean, I tried it. I tried to beat these dudes, man, and they, I mean, it was instant. I, it was instant. And it was dudes, I'm like, dude, you don't play chess. He's like, okay, well, you just come play me and see, right? On the other side of that park, there's the bird man. And we've gone a few times, and every time we go, we see the same man. And all he does, I think, is just sit on the park bench, and he has pigeons. Like, they're sitting on his hair, uh, on his head, on his shoulder, on his lap. And it's like they follow him. And, and, and so here's something you, you can do. You can go over to him, and you can give him $2, and he will give you some feed. And if you give, he gives you some feed, you can feed the pigeons. 
And if you want to play a, a really sweet trick on your kids, throw the feed at them, right? <laughs> and you watch all the pigeons come from nowhere and descend around them, right? And I don't know. I don't know if they got a pigeon language. It's like you see something, say something. I don't know. how. I don't know if, if they just kind of know that, hey, I've seen you do deals with, the, with my guy right here, and I know you, you know, I don't know if they hear the seed kind of hitting the ground. I mean, I don't know if they know the muscle memory, like when they see this hand doing this, but it is a sight to behold that when you feed these pigeons in that park, they, they, I mean, they are there, and as soon as the seed hits the ground, it's gone. And you know what Jesus is saying? The pigeons, the pigeons they preach to you. Because right now we're talking about Jesus and we're opening up the Bible. And if you believe what Jesus is saying, there are birds who are here to take the word so that it will not go deep. And you want to know who the bird is? Look at verse 15. And these are sown along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word. Look, that's happening right now. You are hearing, but you can't listen. Because Satan is not just a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is also a bird of prey who eats the word so that it does not sink deeply into the heart of God's people. And I don't know how this works. I can't see him. I don't know how he's here at this moment. And at the same time at Grace Mosaic in D.C. And at the same time at Fondren Church. And at the same time at First Baptist. And at the same time for those of you who don't make it to church. Who are looking online. That, that as you hear the word from the comfort of your computer. That, that this but Jesus is saying that there is a bird out there to take it. And I know Satan can't be in all places at all times. But I think Jesus is actually saying that he employs his demons. And this is what they do. And I know we can't see it. And so part of you wants to lock up and say, that's not true. And I'm saying, I trust Jesus more than I trust you. And if Jesus says it, then it's a real reality that some of us do not hear. And it's not because you're sleepy. It's because Satan is a working. And this makes it impossible because we're fighting someone we can't see. The second reason, right, we can't hear as God intends is in the image in verses 5 and 6, which correspond to the, the spiritual reality in verses 16 and 17. In other words, the word is sown, but it lands on rocky ground that didn't have much soil, and it springs up really fast, but as soon as the sun rises, it scorches it and it withers away. It's not about the sun, and it's not about the scorching. What is it that is making it impossible for people to hear? He tells us in verses 16 and 17, seed sown on rocky ground people hear it and immediately they receive it with joy but there is no root in them they endure for a while but the moment tribulation or persecution arises notice what it says on account of the word they immediately fall away 
So he's talking about the shouters in the assembly. Amen, preacher, preach, right? There is this excitement, this joy that's, that's momentary. In the moment, it feels really, really, really good. This is going to change my life. I got it. And the moment we leave the comforts of our pews and the luxuries of our quiet timetable in the house and have to go outside and kind of work this stuff out that we just read, it's, I'm at the door. Okay, that word, it ain't doing nothing. It's not exciting anymore. So we can read about Jesus is on the throne and his kingdom will have no end, that it is from everlasting to everlasting, right? You read about that. And then the moment something happens out in the world, it's like we forget we just read that. He is still on the throne. We can read about guarding your mouth. Let no unbecoming speech come from you. And that sounds really holy and pious in the moment. And somebody cuts you off in traffic, or you step on a Lego, right? <laughs> what happened to that word you just read, brother? Right? Or God says, all right, man, guard your heart, guard your eyes. That's good. I, we got it, right? I got it. You have to go out into the real world and see like real people. And you choose to feast on someone who's not yours. What happened to that word you just received over there? It's not taking root. You see what Jesus is saying? This is what makes it impossible to do the hearing that God is after. And then there's the final image, the third image in verse 7, which corresponds to the image in verses 18 and 20. And other seed fell on thorny ground, and thorns grew up, and it choked it out, and it yielded no grain. Well, what's the spiritual picture? It's in verses 18 and 20. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word out. There was a man whose name is Homer Lee Howie. And some of you might know him or, you know. But when I was in seminary, he hired me to do his, keep up his property. So I had his business on 55 across from St. D. And we kept up his home and went there every 10 days. It was like clockwork. Mow the grass, weed eat, cut the hedges, blow leaves, you name it. And at the end of every month, I got a check and I paid for seminary. And uh, I learned about the importance of weeding. And so the first time I went, and, and I made this mistake twice, the first time I did it, that Homer Lee's wife had invested in a lot of flowers, and I planted them. And I was told, hey, you just you got to make sure that you weed. I'm like, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, Miss Howie. And so I plant flowers, and my version of weeding was just plucking the top of the weeds off, just get the top off and we're good to go. And you come back like 10 days later and her flowers are gone. They are gone. And so I did it once and I got to like buy new flowers, right? Out of my money. I did it a second time and not at the business. This second time was at her house. I hired a little dude from the neighborhood. I said, man, you want to earn some money? Yeah. 
I take him with me, and I say, look. He says, man, what you want me to do? Can I run that equipment? No, bro, you cannot run that zero turn. You, no, you're not going to mess nothing up. You can weed, and you can blow, and you can pick up trash. That's what you can do, right? And we paid him really well. Had one job, just weed. So he weeded most of her house really well. But there is this feature bed at the front of her house, and he forgot to weed it. And by chance and rain and schedule, it was two and a half weeks before I could get back over there. And I got there, and I almost started to cry because this was the second time in six months where I did not weed well. You see, what if the weeds, like the pigeons, are preaching to us? And Jesus actually says that money, the longing for riches, and more stuff from this world, they're like weeds. And they choke the word out so that it is fruitless. And I've watched my heart, right? I hear this clanking sound in my car riding down the street. And in the back of my mind, all right, time for a new car, right? Then you, you get online and you start looking at new cars and then you kind of go and you buy the car. And now you buy the car and now you need the money. Now you got a car note. Now you got debt. And before you know what this little clanking sound you heard for a car that could have cost you $500 to fix is now going to cost you thousands of dollars because you got to have something new or something better. You see what Jesus is saying? That, that the things, the cares of this world, and I'm just not talking about money and, and stuff, but they will choke out the word. This week we were having family devotion around the table and it was Thursday night football. We're doing our Advent devotion. We on a roll. We got it this week, right? And the Chiefs are playing the Chargers. And it's on the room, like one, one room away. And we're trying to have devotion and I'm hearing in the background, the Chargers scored, the Chargers scored. And I got my Bible with my kids and we're doing like this and I'm doing like this. And it's like, no, this is being enacted right in front of you. The word is trying to go deep in and the football game is luring your heart away, right? I'm like, son, go, go shut the TV down. Like we're, we need to be present right here in this moment. And we have food, and we have parties we need to go to, and we have outfits we want to buy, and we have shoes that get released. And I mean, you could go on and on and on and on about this endless list of stuff that bombards our minds so that when we read the Word, it's choking it out. And I think what Jesus is saying, it's impossible. If you think you're holy enough and smart enough, and wise enough and strong enough to listen to this word the way that God wants it listened to, he says, I'm giving you three cases of failure. And I know some of our temptation this morning is to think, oh, it doesn't apply to me. No, I think it does. You see, if you think this, pa this parable is about your homeboy who not in church or about the atheist who never cracks open the Bible, you're mistaken. 
this is actually a parable for those who are under the hearing of the word. You catch that? This is a parable that's being enacted in front of Jesus as Jesus preaches right then and there. It's not a parable for the people who are in Jerusalem at this moment. It's a parable for the people under the hearing of the word. This is not applicable to the unbeliever. It's applicable to people actually under the word. This creates a problem for us, doesn't it? Hearing is important. And God desires a deeper listening that moves to understanding, that moves to obedience, that moves to bearing fruit. It's an important family practice, but we are half-hearted, distracted, disillusioned people being preyed upon by enemy we can't see. So where is the good news of the passage? Where is the power for listening as God intends? Where is it in the passage? It's our third and final point. Jesus does not just take us on a journey behind the veil to show us how important hearing is. He does not just take us on this this journey into the heart to show us how impossible it is. He actually says, let me take you on a journey to your older brother, which is himself. And he says, in order for you and I to hear as God intends us to hear, you actually need Jesus to enable it. I told you we can divide this passage up in two ways, but I was intentionally hiding the most important verses in the passage. And it's sandwiched right there in the middle of the parable and the understanding. Go back and read it with me. Look at verses 10 through 14. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, But for those on the outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Now stop right there. Catch the flow of the passage. The great and large crowd in verse 1, they heard the parable. But the unpacking of the parable, guess who got that? Look at verse 10 again. When Jesus was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. You want to know who came into the veil and who got understanding? It wasn't the crowds. It was those where? near Jesus. 
That's who got understanding. That's who heard as God intends us to hear those near Jesus. And here's the thing about the disciples. Look at what he says in verse 13. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Do not think for a moment the disciples made themselves right to hear. It actually took Jesus to give them the understanding that they needed. And so long as they were near Jesus, that is where they got understanding. It wasn't in their hearing. It was in the secret, beautiful instruction of Jesus. Just let that wash over you for a moment. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus, guess what Jesus says to you? I will make sure you hear the word. I will give you understanding of the word. The kingdom is not in a mystery to you. You stay near to me, and when you read my word, I, by my spirit, who have changed your heart, will make the word that you hear sink deeply into your heart, and you will bear fruit, but you cannot do it apart from me. In other words, Jesus says, you and I, we need the older brother to receive the words of the father, and if you remove the older brother from the equation, then we grope around in darkness, always seeing and never perceiving and always hearing and never understanding and always doing and never bearing fruit. That's the good news in the passage. If you're a believer and you know Jesus, he's with you and he will fight for you. And when that bird and that snake shows up, and tries to root out the word and make you disbelieve, Jesus says by his spirit, not on my watch. You can miss this person. You will not be fruitful to snatch the word away from them. And when the cares of this world linger and fester up, and, and persecution that comes on account of obeying the word that we, like the psalmist, will say, whom do I have in heaven but you? And, and whom do I desire on earth but you? My heart and my flesh may fail, but Lord, you are the strength and my portion now and forever. And we can say that in the midst of suffering. He will not leave us. He will never forsake us. And we don't get to stir that confidence up. Jesus says, no, I will in able you to have it and when the pride of life and the pursuit of riches when they come and we have to take L's for the kingdom Jesus comes and says I'm with you I'm with you that's his promise to you this morning that when you spend time in your word, he is there with you. Y'all seen the video of the little girl? And it's a bunch of them out there. But she's like two. 
and she can't hear. And then she gets cochlear implants and they actually film it for the first time. This little girl has not been able to hear. And then she goes through this surgery and all of a sudden they turn the stuff on and in a moment she hears and you see her perk up and you, you see her smile and you see her little hands flap and then you see her mother crying because she knows this is great joy. My little girl who was deaf now hears. Do you believe that that is a picture of you, believer, that you and I were deaf and dumb and lame and blind until Jesus does a transplant on you and we now hear? And the word is not in a mystery. It is not in a parable. We can hear and know Jesus right now because Jesus has done surgery on you. And we ought to be like the little girl, flapping our hands and smiling and crying and championing his cause because we who were deaf and lame in Isaiah, it, this is not just about the future. It's not just about the new heavens and the new earth. It's deaf people in this room right now who are hearing for the first time. We can hear. We can hear. I think this is a litmus test, Christian, to put up next to ourselves. Do you hear your God speaking in Scripture? I think it's also a call that as we think about coming into worship and as we think about our own quiet times, that we weed our hearts, not, to, not so that we can hear, but precisely because Jesus has inaugurated the work of softening our hearts, that we're moving towards the word and we can turn the TV down. It's okay to tell the kids you can't talk to mommy and daddy while we have time with the word. This is sacred space right here and you can't intrude, right? It's appropriate to protect and guard our hearts now that we can hear. My longing and Jesus' longing in this passage is that we would be a hearing people. And he has made it possible. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the beauty of your word. We thank you that it is lived and experienced even now. Help us to be a hearing people because our older brother has made a way. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.